Hey, it's Chef Carla, and welcome to Cooking is the New Healthy. This is a podcast where I talk to other creatives and entrepreneurs, how they cook, how they eat, and how they show up in their real lives. If you don't know me, I'm a food stylist, photographer, health coach, and mama. I'm also the founder of Cook and Chop Online Cooking School, and the list goes on because I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur. You can find me at Chef Carla underscore C on Instagram. It's where all of my things are, and you can stay up to date with me there. I have a guest today, and I've been wanting to talk to you, Stacy. Like for <laughs> ages, we've we've tried to make a lunch date. Like there are multiple times that we've tried to connect with each other. We've known each other on Instagram for I don't know how long. I think that we found each other through your podcast and through your Instagram. Didn't I just feed you? I think, I think that's how we met. So I would love for you to introduce yourself, who you are, how you serve the world. Let's get started. Oh, such big questions. And you know what? It's funny because it's Mother's Day when we're yeah. recording. And um, I feel like a lot of reflection and flux happening in my head. So I might answer these questions differently today <laughs> than I would have yesterday. I love it. Um, <laughs> but that's how it goes, right? When you're yeah. uh, a person who's always kind of noodling and thinking and expanding and, you know, trying to become better and more realized as much as you can. So yeah, my name is Stacy. I'm a podcaster. Um, I am also a cookbook author. I'm a professional recipe developer. Before that, going back, I do think it's relevant to mention that I worked in children's media for a long time. So I have a degree in child development, a graduate degree in child development. I worked at Sesame Workshop for a really long time. I worked on a bunch of children's properties. And at that time, the way that I worked with creative teams was they used to call me, quote unquote, the voice of the child, because I was supposed to bring this understanding of child development to the table. Like, how would a kid understand this cartoon? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, everything from like continuity to just like straight cognitive understanding to content, looking at the content, is it relevant? Is television or some interactive piece of media the right way to teach this lesson? That kind of stuff. So I've always thought of myself as an educator Yeah, that is always thinking about kids, but also families. And I had a really big shift. Let's see. So my oldest son is 13. A couple of years before Isaac was born. So we're talking about almost 15 years ago where I realized that, you know, I was thinking about child development all the time and people would bring in these shows and pitch us these new properties. Like how can we apply child development to developing toys, to developing this television show about, you know, social emotional learning or about math. And I grew up the daughter of Greek immigrants. My dad owned restaurants, helped run restaurants. It's kind of what a lot of Greek immigrants do. Yeah. Um, and so I grew up in restaurant kitchens. I was always passionate about food. I had even wanted to go to culinary school at one point, um, but ended up going to graduate school for child development. And I thought to myself, why aren't we thinking about child development in terms of what we're feeding our kids? Yeah. And at first I wanted to make a television show about food and culture and that didn't happen. You know, fast forward, I have my first kid, 
two years later, I had my second kid and all the twists and turns that motherhood (laughs) (laughs) end up causing you to take, you know, here I am all these years later, working in food, working in service of families, you know, and then there've even been a million twists and turns since then. You know, when Isaac was first born, I was blogging about food. I had no professional development in food at that point. It took a while for me to apprentice with a professional recipe developer, freelance for magazines and test kitchens and like figure that piece out professionally. Um, But I was like a first time mom. I had a little bit more time. I was like organic everything, organic everything. I looked at an old recipe that I published on my original blog and I saw that I did organic baking soda. Like I just put the word organic in front of everything. I was like, everything organic. This new healthy little baby purity. Like so crazy. And now I'm in a really different place. Yeah. So as the world has changed, as you know, parents have become more educated and as I have opened myself to being more educated, you know, where I see moms really struggling with, the judgment that they feel over how they feed their kids Mm -hmm. from like day one, whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, Mm -hmm. formula feed. So I have really evolved from someone who, you know, is thinking about child development in this very formal way, applying it to media, then applying it to food, but in this very kind of rigid, this is what's best and healthiest for our kids. And now where I sit, 13 years into motherhood is just how can I be of service to any parent really being mindful of the fact that I sit in a place of privilege, not just as a white woman with a partner with means. Also the fact that I love to cook is a privilege. There are so many parents out there who hate to cook or are working on super tight budgets, who are working two jobs and hardly have any time. Like, how can I help those parents and give solutions and help people move the needle towards healthier eating from wherever they sit, not from where I sit? If that makes any sense. <laughs> oh my goodness, that makes I'm my my mind is blown with that. I love that. I love that because I do feel. I mean, I'm a mom of two. Yeah. And I definitely feel, and I laughed, and I resonated, and I nodded my head during all of all of the things because I definitely feel it. Yeah. I mean, I have felt it. I didn't know what it was like when I just had Isaac at first with a babysitter because we could afford that. And, you know, living in Brooklyn where I could get any, oh, like, you know, I don't know, whatever ingredient was popular back then. Like, oh, sure. That sounds interesting. Like sumac or whatever, you know, oh, I read about that or I traveled. I'm lucky enough to travel somewhere. Oh, let me go to the Middle Eastern market. You know, there were so many layers. And I do think in the food industry, people forget you know, people forget our privilege. I don't know. I, everybody forgets their privilege. I understand that it becomes invisible to you, but you know, 
even people who are working on a tight budget and who are like juggling parenthood and work in a restaurant kitchen, which is grueling, grueling work. Um, It's a privilege that we love to cook, that we have, you know, access to people and culture and markets and, you know, resources that help us get our hands on new ingredients that inspire us, you know? Like, we know what it's like to get in a rut with food. It sucks, you know? Just because I write cookbooks doesn't mean I sometimes don't go through periods where I'm like, I cannot cook another thing, right? uh, Raising my hand high. Raising my hand high. Right, but then you go to the farmer's market because you're lucky enough to have one nearby and you're like, oh, ramps. (laughs) I love your love life again. Yeah, you love life again. But what happens when like you don't have access to ramps or you don't give a crap <laughs> that ram what ramps are or you don't know what they are, so who cares and like what what would I do with them anyway? So, you know, a lot of my work is um my recipes, I try to keep them simple but fresh. I try to like you know, pay homage to other cuisines, but as long as I have personal experience with them and can share who has inspired me, like the people who, you know, make these foods and have for generations and, yeah, um, you know, just hoping to give people a little bit of joy. Cause you know what the bottom line is? Like, I really think about how do we feed our kids? Like that's a big piece of it for me. And of course, how do we feed ourselves? But just for me, I'm curious about it, even intellectually, how do we feed our kids? And it's really, I say this, you know, if you listen to Din, I just feed you. You've heard me say this. I say it everywhere I go. So it's a little bit old, but I can't help it. You know, it's really not about raising kids who know about ramps or who eat kale or who eat all the things that you think are healthy. It's about raising kids who have a healthy relationship with food. And that really comes from having joy around the family table, um, no matter what's on the table. You know, not feeling stressed about food, if that's possible for you. So that's really what I hope to spread, a little food joy, if you will. I love that. I love that. I think that leads us into our next question. Oh. What was your last meal? (laughs) Okay. So it's funny because I do sort of make fun of myself for like, oh, organic baking soda. But I still truly in my own home can be a little bit precious about food. Um, I'm loosening the reins. Having a 13-year-old will really challenge you because like he was... You know, I raised him, oh, so precious from the very beginning. Like our favorite story used to be the time when Isaac was, you know, I think he was like four or five years old and he came walking down the stairs in my house and just, mama, are you making risotto? You know, like this is the kind of house he grew up in. I was like, oh, what a nose, what a palate, what a child, you know? (laughs) Um, And now he eats like the junkiest food. I find like, Taki wrappers like in his desk drawer. (laughs) He just goes to the corner store himself and he feeds himself. So I can still be a little precious, but I'm learning. But it's Mother's Day and my 10 year old decided to make me breakfast and he made those, what do you call them? Pop and bake biscuits. 
I have no idea. I don't even know this. You know those those cans of biscuits oh, where you like yeah. peel it and then you, yeah, it, like, yeah, you twist it or you whatever, and it Pillsbury or something. Yeah. Oh my god. So that that's my last meal. Those with some strawberry jam. That's what the kids bought and made, and here we go. That's what I got. <laughs> I love it. They were actually pretty good. <laughs> I, say, I was like, oh. <laughs> funny. It's funny as food professionals. So this is a different conversation that we would have with like, I don't know anybody else because for food professionals, I feel like I definitely agree with you with privilege. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic right now and people are asking me, yeah. I, I have actually been on, podcasts and people asking me like how do you grocery shop and I'm like well I have an online cooking tool and I recipe test and I write for publications so I'm going to like five different places yep to find the ingredients I need and that is not the typical thing yeah people to do and and I do say when I when I when I mention it I'm like I have extreme privilege because of the work that I do in the world. Totally. So totally. I, I do say that. I, you know, a good friend of mine's a butcher. So, you know, the butcher shop is open in Brooklyn and they have all these systems in place that I can just text him and be yeah. like, I need this, 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 and this. And he'll be like, all right, well, this is coming in on this shipment date, you know. So, you know, we like, we know people, we have resources for the ingredients because we're doing this all the time. Yeah. You know, so I, I, we haven't wanted for anything. I have to admit, um, I went through a period of time where we were scared of like being out of paper towels, (laughs) um, because we don't buy them that much. I've been trying to use the reusable kind. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just like wanted them on hand for like cleaning and disinfecting. But like, other than that, it's been a full house of food here. Very, very lucky. Very lucky here as well. So I will say that. And I will say that people that are wanting and or looking for things that at least in New Jersey, and you were saying about a friend in in Brooklyn, like a butcher, at least in New Jersey, I know that smaller shops or smaller, even bakeries that are open, like say you're, you're in desire for flour, call around and support those local businesses because perhaps they are selling flour yeast, which I know is very hard to find. And I'm mentioning this today on Mother's Day because you possibly are wanting to bake something. So I want to make sure that I put that out in the podcast that there are small businesses. um, And I'm not sure where people like listening to this podcast are, but there's definitely as, as food professionals, as we're talking, there's definitely resources for people to get ingredients. Yeah. And actually, whenever this airs, whenever someone decides to tune into this, I do hope that some of the habits we form now shift and stick with us. So one of the funny things is uh, on our, my podcast, Didn't I Just Feed You, I have a co-host, Megan Splon, and she and I often, you know, talk about, well, like try prepping that at home. Like, you know, or if you normally pick up the boneless, skinless chicken breasts, maybe pick up boneless, skinless thighs. You know, we're constantly making little suggestions again to help yeah. move the needle. 
And now people are like, okay, I'm there. Like, what do I need to do? I couldn't find my favorite boneless, skinless chicken breasts at the store. Okay. You told me to make pasta from scratch. I thought that was a joke, but if I don't like keep these kids occupied and do something with them, I'm going to explode. Fine. Let's do it. Let's make pasta. How do you do it? So, you know, we're all kind of experimenting with food because because we're home more, but I think there's more to it emotionally, actually. I think it's very centering and it's very comforting. Um, people are, you know, growing victory gardens. People are going to the farmer's market near them and finding it if they hadn't found it before because maybe the supermarket just doesn't have stuff that's looking great right now. So I hope some of these habits can stick with us. Yeah. And one of the ones that I really hope sticks is going to and supporting our local small businesses, restaurants, butchers, bakeries. Those businesses need us now, but they're also really, really going to need us later too. Yeah. You know, I don't think, not to bring this to a negative place, I just think realistically, I don't think we've seen the full fallout economically of what's happening right now. And I, my biggest fear is that we live in a world where only the big businesses and chains can survive for a while. Either they're the only ones who weather it through or they're the only ones who can survive any kind of fallout after this. Yeah. Like it's up to us to put our money, whatever money we have, where our mouth is and really support small businesses and restaurants too, if you can. I love that. I'm going to ask you what is, we're just going to lead into the next question. Okay. What is your eating philosophy? Oh gosh. So I kind of talked about it a little already. I feel like it's changed a lot yeah. like for myself. There's also, okay. So there's like myself and there's what I preach. And I don't mean to say that like I apply different rules, like, they're integrated, but there is this aspect that's very personal to me that has to do with um, my weight, to be completely frank, yeah. where, you know, I have never been one of those people who felt good about her weight. Even when I look back at photos and I'm like, that's ridiculous that it was even like something on my mind. Um just my own personal thing. I've never been one for dieting and full into diet culture in a way that I could identify, but I was managing what I ate all the time. Yeah. And then even when I wasn't, I was <laughs> like, I was emotionally eating and just like letting go and being like, uh, whatever. So for me personally, really coming to terms with like, where my body is, what my body needs, and not listening to either like the diet culture side or the other side too, which is the anti-diet culture side, which I feel like has become a lot like diet culture. <laughs> it's a lot, right? It's so much. Like, I don't want to feel guilty if I want to say like, hey, I want to lose some weight because I don't feel healthy at this. Like, I don't want to have to sit there and like, tear myself apart and interrogate like, do I not feel healthy or is my diet culture, am I buying into something? Like, I just want to be like, this is how I feel. This is a place where my body feels comfortable and this is how I need to eat to be there. 
Yeah. Like, so for me, my personal journey is very much like about that. I don't want to put that on other people. Like that's not what I'm really about. I don't consider myself like a wellness expert by any means. Um, So it's really for everybody else. It's just, you know, think about your budget. If you do a little bit of advanced planning, the way I'm even doing with the like diet culture thing, like just take a moment, like to reflect a little meditation, like what's your budget? Like, what do you care about? What do you like to eat? Be honest with yourself. I'm not one for aspirational cooking unless you're a passionate, avid cook and that makes you happy. Like what's realistic and then be comfortable there. Like just do that. (laughs) Like if you don't love to cook and your kids, you know, y'all like macaroni and cheese, but you want to be a little healthier, find lighter macaroni and cheese recipes. If you don't care about being healthier, eat what you like, like put it on the menu every week. If you want to just like be real with yourself, try to be thoughtful about like your health and what you're putting on your table. If you have the bandwidth to do that and then just do it and let go of all the like extra thinking and guilt. And because that's when the food joy sets in. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe honestly, that once you start to experience food joy, where food becomes less of a chore, less of this like heavy duty thing, like a less of an emotional weight, that's when you start to open up and have the freedom to be like, yeah, I do want to get healthier. Or I do want to start experimenting with cooking more. Like this is kind of fun. As long as cooking is a chore and feels like this miserable thing you have to do for everybody, you know, X number of times a day, like you're never going to want to dig deep into it, you know? And I think digging deep is where you like start to learn new things and feel like you're healthier and experiment with ingredients and all that fun stuff that we know also keeps building that food joy. You have to just start with like letting yourself be so you have room to just like oh, sit around your table with your family and enjoy yourself. I absolutely love all of this. And I also think that it can apply to other areas of health and wellness, even movement. Yes. Well, uh, it's so funny that you say that because a lot of this lesson came from me figuring out my relationship with exercise. Like when exercise was just about, you know, the means to a goal to look different. Yeah. I was like, I freaking hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I met with my most recent trainer who's really helped shift my mindset. And she laughs because the first time I met her her two years ago, I was like, I hate exercise. If you're going to be one of those trainers who tries to get me to like exercise, like we're not going to work. Like, this is just a chore. I'm going to come to you, you know, two times a week. And like, that's it. Like, let's just get through this together. And she laughs because she's like, you like it now. Like, you'll exercise when you're on vacation. Like, you're (laughs) exercising in quarantine with me on Zoom. I got you. (laughs) But it really was about just like, I think there was something about me saying that to her and just being like, you know what? I'm not going to pretend anymore. Like, this is what it is like left me some room to be like, oh, okay. Like, 
let me see. Like, oh, wait, I really like this. Oh, wait, this really does feel good. Oh, like I can. And then the good stuff started to build. But I think it, it started with some form of acceptance for me personally. I absolutely love that. I, I just, I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into this. I love this part. I actually, I love this entire show, but I love asking for actionable tips. So I'm going to ask you for three actionable tips hmm. that people, that people can take or not to their lives. Yeah. And the reason that I do this is because sometimes we listen to podcasts and we're like, oh, that's a great idea. But I really want to be able to have people take action on it. So I would love them to tag us on Instagram. So both of us and nice. one of these tips. So I would love for you to just give us the tips and then let's, um, you can pick one or all of them and have them tag us. Okay. And these are three actionable tips just to like help make people's lives better. It can be anything, literally anything. Um, one guest told me that she was foregoing the tips altogether. She's like, how about I don't have tips? Oh, I was like, Oh goodness. I love that. So it really, it really challenged me. Um, But it can be any way that you show up in your life, you show up in your business. It can be you personally, um, like for for my tips, my tips, you already know. It could be five out of five. My rest, nourishment, movement, water. I mean, those are my, um, it's my jam. Yeah. Okay. So anything. Okay. So I'm going to probably muddle through this first one, but I think it's really important. Um, I'm kind of mid process with this tip, but finding time and space, it's already too like amorphous, but let's dig into it and see if we can refine this to something super actionable. I love it. Um, finding time and space to think about what freedom means to you. So I have spent some time in quarantine, too much time in quarantine, being um, overwhelmed and resentful. Not about the world. Like I, like we can't control that. But um, feeling like, oh my gosh, I barely had time before. Now everybody's in the house one of my kids needs a lot of handholding during remote schooling. Everybody's eating more and the dynamics of our house are such, which I participated in creating. Um, Mom cooks, mom says, put your sneakers away, but if you don't do it right away, they're probably put away by the end of the day. I have just done so much for so long. And then I'm pissed off. (laughs) I'm walking around like pissed at everybody. Like, oh my God, what is wrong with you people? Like, don't you do anything for yourself? So I've been feeling not free to do things that I really need to do for myself to, you know, rest, feel recuperated. And I think that one of the little things has been that I, and I think maybe a lot of women think about freedom in terms of um, the things that the wellness industry have put out. 
-hmm. Like I normally do like get my nails done every two weeks or once a month at least. Like I do exercise twice a week. Like I've taken that time and I, you know, I do have my coffee alone outside, but still like it hasn't been enough. And one of the things that I realized is that when my kids were out of the house, I had the freedom to take a break in the middle of the day and watch Real Housewives. It's like a guilty pleasure. I watch every single one of those because by the time they come home, I'm exhausted at 10 o'clock. Like my 13 year old is going to sleep later than me. Like I'm done. Like, and my kids stay up till nine or nine 30, especially in quarantine. They've been staying up later. Like I have no time to myself, but I haven't felt like in the middle of the day, I can just stop and find a way to turn off my brain that doesn't need to be sanctioned by anybody else. Like I don't need anybody to approve that I'm watching junk TV in the middle of the day, but I did it one day recently and my whole day was better. Like I, like, I love it. It was a total shift. So again, I think I'm on this like journey of like allowing ourselves to be real with ourselves about who we are and what we need. So I guess the first tip is to just be honest with yourself. And like, if there's guilt, just let the guilt be there. You don't have to eradicate it, but you also don't have to like believe it either. Just let it be there and do whatever it is you need to do for yourself. Everything will be fine. <laughs> you know? That's so amazing. Um, so I don't know. Is that, is that actionable enough? It's so actionable. Okay. It's just so like, actionable. I'm excited about your, your next one. Yeah. Do something for yourself. Okay. Another one is, I, this is a weird one because people are probably already doing it, but I normally say just cook one more meal a day than you normally cook a week rather. But now everybody's cooking many, many more meals. <laughs> <laughs> than usual. So here is the little twist on it, depending on if people are still in quarantine or not, because I imagine we'll be in varying places by the time that this... Cook something just for yourself, but serve it to the whole family. I, I love this. Okay. Cook something just for yourself. Serve it to the whole family. I don't care if you have a picky eater. I don't like, yes, I get, I truly get it, but you're worrying about that picky eater every other meal, just one meal where you're like, I have been dying to make this or that looks amazing and delicious. It has mushrooms. No one in my family likes mushrooms. Who cares? Make it. And then also partnered with that, let them eat. Like if they don't want to eat it and you're normally like, no, you have to eat everything at the table, maybe consider just loosening the rules so it can become a pleasurable experience because that's the point here to start building pleasure around yeah. food and cooking. Yeah. So just like that night, like let them eat yogurt or let them eat ice cream. I don't care. Like whatever you need to do so that you can find your pleasure in preparing a meal and then eating a meal without having anybody ruin it, like do it, just let that happen. Because again, you know, when you're told, oh, hey, you can like cooking, like it's easy. It's not so bad. Or like, it's better for your family. It's better for you. Like when you're just doing it with those goals in mind, I think it can be really hard to build pleasure. You build pleasure by actually experiencing pleasure. 
So cook something just for you. I can't, I can't, I like want to just like preach because this, I say this a lot and I feel like I get like nervous when I say it, especially to, so I'm in the wellness world. So when I say this to moms in the wellness world, what do you mean? It has to be family friendly. It has to be X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, Hmm, that's not my brand of, of what I, what I teach. I teach food for myself. Number one. Yeah. Because if I am not nourished, nothing else is going to, nothing else is going to go well. I'm sorry. So my kids need to eat rice and roasted vegetables and whatever else. I'm going to sear myself a beautiful piece of fish because that's what I want. Yes, totally. You know, I do, it's like the, and the airlines, when they tell you, you know, put on your mask before you put on the mask of any child that you're caring for. Like you can't help anybody you're caring for unless you are healthy and safe yourself. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a really big one. That's a really big one for me. Um, okay. The third tip is, I don't know, is this applicable? Let's see if we can work it through together and make it applicable for everybody. But I do think it's for, um, entrepreneurs that, um, I am coming to believe as someone who has tried a million things and is still trying a million things that um, the right thing, the right thing that's going to hit, that's going to resonate with people will kind of be clear. It can't be forced. You know, I don't think it's like, it's hard to say this because I'm also an extremely hard worker and I'm one of those like wake and grind people. Like I can work, work, work. I have a lot of focus. I've been working from home by myself for a long time. Um, and I like that. Like I like pushing myself and, but, um, pushing, pushing, pushing something that isn't resonating, isn't going to make it resonate is the lesson that I've learned in my work. Um, so knowing and kind of starting to believe your intuition about when you can let up um, and not just keep grinding and pounding on this thing to make it work is really important because if it's the right thing, it will allow you to take the foot off the gas for a moment when you need to so that you can recuperate, so that you can have fresh ideas, so that you can feel creative again it will still be there when you get back to putting your, you know, foot on the gas. You know, again, like as an entrepreneur, I really believe like hard work and focus and discipline. These are all things, these are all skills that are really, really important to success, but they're not the only things. Something that's meant to be successful will be successful as you take care of yourself. You know, and it's it's a wellness thing, but it's also a creativity thing. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier and you said, yes, like we know what it's like to not want to cook. Just because I write cookbooks, after I wrote my latest cookbook, I like did not want to cook dinner for almost six months. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> 
I am done cooking dinner. Um, you know, making sure that your creative juices are flowing is really important. So how is this an actionable tip? Um, it's not quite like drink water, but it's a little bit of trust the process and to test yourself, I guess, um, like wake up every day and like really intentionally ask yourself, like, is today a day that I can grind? Cause then do it like, yes, like that feels good if you have it in you. If today is a day that you feel tapped out, sitting in front of your computer and just like forcing it is not going to make it happen. Actually, stepping back, I believe, will end up serving your business more because you'll have some time to like think and realize that maybe that thing you were grinding on wasn't exactly right. And here's how you need to tweak it or pivot or whatever it is. So I think this has become really stark for me in quarantine too, because there have been so many content creators who've been like grinding hard, like on live every minute. And I just wasn't feeling it. Like I said, I was overwhelmed. I was going through my own personal emotional process of being like, who are these family members? Why have, why do they rely on me for everything? Oh my why gosh. Are they still here? <laughs> why are they still here? And like, how am I not on Instagram live right now? And like, everything's going to fall apart because they won't give me five minutes. And, and like, no, it didn't fall apart and it's all fine. Here I am. <laughs> like it's, it's good. You know, and and in some ways, no regrets, but I kind of wish like that I hadn't stressed so much. Like I didn't know we'd be in quarantine for seven weeks. (laughs) So, and, and counting. So, you know, I wish I hadn't wasted that time, you know, but that's, that's how you learn your lessons. But, you know, just like, I wish I'd let up a little bit and trusted the process. Mm -hmm. So it's a good reminder. I love that. I love that you talked about um, because my audience, and I assume that this is the pod, the people that are listening to the podcast, a lot of my audience on Instagram, I want to say that we're 95% women. And I want to say the majority of those women are entrepreneurs. Yes. Those yeah. majority of the women that I talk to on a daily basis on Instagram are entrepreneurs. So this idea of pulling back and this idea of rest, and I think this goes back to your other tip. It's like, maybe just pop on a TV show. So I have yes. like, I've given up. I'm like, I was, and I will, like, I, I was on live all of the time until, yeah. until my kids revolted. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is a whole other thing. Um, but I, and I was like, I gave up TV and I'm going to yeah. coach and I'm going to like, I'm going to do all the things. And the other day I was turning on a show for my kids and I saw that there was a beastie boy documentary. I just watched that. Oh my gosh. It was so good, but so I so good. I just allowed myself, yes. and I think that this is, when we're talking about women or we're talking about mothers, we're talking about having permission to yeah. relax and leaving the guilt, leaving all of those shame or any other feelings at the door and putting your feet up, even, even if it's just for a moment, Yeah, to just relax. Yeah, I think I have a lot of personally a lot of fear of feeling like 
I'm feed up eating bonbons while everything else is on fire. And like, that's so like, we're so not at risk for this. If you're an entrepreneur, like by nature, you're not at risk for this because it's, it's kind of Darwinian being an entrepreneur, right? Like, like if you aren't working hard on some basic fundamental level, like it, you're, you're not going to survive in this world. Entrepreneurship is definitely not for everybody. Um, and the people who make it and are constantly, and by make it, I don't even mean like have a successful business right in this moment. The people who make it, who like wake up every day and are able to keep doing it, who are able to pivot, who've had failures and are starting a new business. Like by our nature, we are like, we work a certain way. Mm-hmm. that is kind of constant and kind of intense. Yeah. <laughs> it gets part of what it takes. So, you know, not like, uh, I don't know, like being free of this judgment. And, you know, when you're a mom in particular, and I have slightly older kids, so I, I do feel like I have to be careful so that not everybody's in the same boat, but like, I wish when my kids were younger, I taught them more about how to be self-reliant. Like, it's not awesome that I was doing so much for them. <laughs> like, I'm feeling that now. Like, it's much harder to teach a kid when, you know, he or she is 10, 13 years old. Like, no, make your own breakfast. Like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to work early because that's my productive time. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to chill and take a walk by myself. Then I will be available, you know. Um. So I don't know. These are some of the, like, they're a little meandering, I realize, compared to some just, like, three easy takeaways. But um, there's obviously been a lot of reflection in quarantine. So (laughs) working it out. This is like quarantine therapy. (laughs) It is, 100%. And it's also Mother's Day, so there's also some reflection. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right. Well, I am going to ask where we can find you. Where can we work with you? Where can we listen to your podcast? Like all the things. And I'm going to wrap up the show. Awesome. Okay. So where you can find me weekly is on Didn't I Just Feed You, my podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts, just search Didn't I Just Feed You and you'll find me and Megan. We publish every Monday. Um, on social, we're at Didn't I Just Feed You also everywhere, but we mostly focus on Facebook and especially Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Stacy Billis. It's S-T-A-C-I-E-B-I-L-L-I-S. And um, also StacyBillis.com is where you can find my recipes when I have time to post them. <laughs> it's really, I'm sharing most of my stuff on Instagram these days because didn't I just feed you and my kids keep me really busy. Yeah. Um, but if anyone is listening, I now that my second book, I just published a second book called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. That's also available wherever you get your books. You can look at IndieBound to support independent bookstores um, or Amazon Barnes & Noble. But now that that's out of the way, I'm back to thinking about, you know, freelance recipe development and writing. So at Stacey Billis has all my contact information. I love it. Thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you. I love seeing you and talking to you. It's the best. It is so good. It's so good. I can't wait to 
have lunch with you in real in real life. Oh. It'll be so we can hug. Yeah, exactly. We will hug again one day. <laughs> one day we will hug. Okay. So if anybody wants to tag you, are they tagging you at Stacy Billis? Or... Yep, at Stacy Billis. Okay, awesome. So if they want to take one of these challenges that or one of these tips that you gave to them, they can tag both of us and let's see it and let's continue the conversation after the podcast. I am mostly on Instagram. As you know, it's at Chef Carla underscore C. And I have all the things, including Cook and Chop online cooking school. Um, it's cooking for your real life. And that's what I teach. And also, as you learned in this podcast, searing yourself a piece of fish is the highest form of self-care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love cooking. Cooking for one and also cooking for a family without rigid rules. Yes. So, that's, that's what I'm all about. And I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast and listening to this conversation. I hope that it was helpful to you. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. And I'm sending you all love. Take care. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you. Bye.